mind tonight? Play play over. Depends. Will your friend, the football, will be there? Oh, friend! Football friend! Oh, what a support goal! Stefan Moore, that is extraordinary for Ben Garuccio! You're listening to Football Friends with Ben Garuccio and Stefan Mork. Coming up this week, there's a lot to dissect from round 18 of the A-League men with red cards, screamers and shock scores aplenty. The boys, as always, discuss the hottest topics of the week gone by. And direct from the south of England, Cassini Yengi joins us to tell all of his time so far at League One leaders Portsmouth, his crazy journey to get to the 92 and coming up through the Adelaide system with Steph as his skipper. All that and more coming up on Football Friends. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Football Friends. Thanks for coming back for another week and it was a not bad week for us, Steph. Not the best, both of our teams not getting wins on the weekend, but it's okay because Liverpool won the AFL Cup throughout the week, so I'm a happy boy this morning. And yeah, I'm not sure sure if I'm talking to Ben Garuccio or Jurgen Klopp with those veneers on there. Veneers, I've got the four eyes, <laughs> and I've got the Liverpool kid on today, so it's, life's it's, good over here. It's kind of like the um, when the AFL did the, the Wizard Cup, the Home Loans Cup for, for pre-season, oh, and yeah, nobody right here, really yeah. gave a fuck about it. And no, with the oh, team yeah. that wins it, they're giving it the big ones, and that's okay. If, Arsenal, if Arsenal won it, you'd be fucking posting Bukayo Saka, Makai, Teller, this, that, this, that, oh, lovely well, done this, so just zip it. No, nah, nah, it's fine. The club is, it's a small club. They've won an AFL Cup. And first, first of three this year will be. So yeah, it's nice we'll to get it ticked off. Yeah. Well, in a, in about three months' time, we'll, we'll know. We'll know exactly what you've won. And I think the AFL yeah. Cup will be the only thing this season that Klopp will be walking away with. I don't want to get personal about the Gunners. So don't worry about it. We'll just leave it there. Yeah, okay. No worries, let's move on. Um, It's the round 18 A-League preview. First up was your lads, your third game in, what was it, seven or eight days? Um, The review, in preview. Didn't I say review? (laughs) Round 18 review. Yeah, my boys. 2-2 against the Raw. We're uh, we're recording early this morning because we've got Cassini coming on. It's a little bit, I don't know, he's a little bit tired. Actually, I am a little bit tired, to be honest. But I think I said review, proof is in the pudding. And on to the game, 2-2. Um, you lads obviously started, started well, scored first. Um, if my memory serves me correct, if I'm not too tired. Um, and first. then... Bird just couldn't uh, couldn't hold the lead really, and and uh, watched it at home with my mate Danny Pena, and uh, it was actually you know, a decent game, but just couldn't seem to hold on to that lead. And, you know, we played three games in a week and lost one of them in the 90th minute and drew another one in the 90th minute. So, a bit disappointing, a bit kind of on the theme of our season, but also. Plenty of positives to take out of the week with so many changes in the team, young boys coming in, doing really well and being competitive. So all in all, I think a great week, to be honest, for, for the team. 
just disappointing not to maybe come away with it with nine points because we easily could have come away with nine points, but we come away with four, and that's probably kind of you know where we are where we are at the moment. So I have to understand that as well. Yeah, no, I think it's. Yeah, it's one of those ones. Obviously, it seems like you guys, I think, have dropped a lot of points by conceding in the, you know, stoppage time. Um, and at the end of the day, that's you know, it, you can say it's unlucky and this and that. But at the same time, I think there's you know a lot of teams. What was it? So Alex Ferguson, Fergie time always used to Man United win games constantly. Um, it's a skill to be able to win games so late on, and um, the other way, obviously, it's not a, not a good thing when you're conceding them late, but. Like you said, a lot yeah. of young boys coming through and the third game in a week. Um, so overall, um, not too bad, but we'll move on. Um, hopefully you're back out there next week running around rather than having your Brazilian barbecue with um, with Pena. Absolutely, well, man. Fucking hell, I miss it. All right. uh, Sydney FC, Melbourne City. Um Pretty pretty exciting game. I, I saw a little bit before our game started. I was watching it. Um, the first goal from Sydney FC was actually unbelievable. Um, the the one touch play, um, finding the spare man on the opposite side, Jordy Courtney Perkins. Um, they're probably thinking, yeah, we'll, we'll let him have it on the the edge of the box, um, and he just rifles it into the top corner. It was it was, it was a top finish. Yeah, what a finish, man! What a what a finish. Probably the best goal. He'll score as a left back. Uh, and he's honestly been flying since he's come in for Joel King. I know probably a lot of people would have looked at it at the beginning when Joel King went out and and said that we're kind of losing someone. But for me, he's come in and probably done just as well, uh, if not better than what you know Joel King had, had been doing this season. So credit to, credit to him. Um, but yeah, I said I thought that game would have been high scoring it wasn't high scoring in the end but to be honest it was still a decent quality game obviously we spoke about we speak about you know Melbourne City Sydney FC teams like that all the time with the quality that they possess and I think when you put that many good players good quality players on a football pitch it's always going to be uh interesting game and I think it was an interesting game it was just maybe didn't have the goals to reflect that but um for me the the Tilio goal was uh, unbelievable assist from Youngy as well, which you don't see too often from a goalkeeper. But yeah, the way he the way he took that down in his stride and sprinting, I don't even know how he does it. He does it. It's not the first time he's done it. Won't probably yeah. the last, but yeah, unbelievable goal to get himself kind of back going uh, after coming back from Scotland because he didn't play that well in the derby the week before. So it would have been a big confidence booster for him. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Like ridiculous like world class i think it doesn't matter what league in the world you're in um everybody loves to uh to point out the the josh nisbet miss or or other things and say how crap the league is um but that happens in every single league in the world but what what tilio did there was was actually world class like it's something that uh i think it actually that went viral as well but the the news outlets in australia don't like to report on that they just like to report on the the shit stuff which we're obviously used to but um, good, good confidence boost for Tilio. Like you said, he's obviously struggled over in in Scotland. So um, let's see how well he can go to from now till the end of the season. Um, and then moving on to the next game was my my Reds another another loss. It's just it's it's hard hard when you're in that position and you um you know we we actually played 
I felt relatively well. You know, obviously at the end of the day, the result is the biggest the biggest thing out there. Um, we in the first half, especially, I thought we we created um, you know a few chances. We got into good positions, um, had more shots than them. Obviously, it doesn't mean a whole lot overall in the game. I think our XG was higher. Um, but they scored two crosses, um, Milanovic coming in at the, the back post there. And um, the first ball in from Simmons was, you know, we needed obviously probably get a bit more pressure on the ball to actually um, stop him from being able to cross so easy. But it was it was actually a ridiculous ball in. Um, and then the second one, Lockie Brook, uh, you know, obviously the ball gets played over. He cuts back in on his left and, and similar sort of goal. But um, yeah, it's just disappointing because you feel like you give so much and Running doesn't mean everything, but our, our stats for that game, especially the first half, was through the roof in terms of, you know, high speed meters, distance run, um, and that's something that we'd kind of really spoken about was that energy and intent, and and that's been there. Now it's just about you know getting that win, and and in football, as you'd know, the season sometimes you know what when things are going against you, it doesn't actually matter. Things are just going against you, and um, the hardest thing is to, to kind of change that momentum and. We'll see. We'll see. We go away to Phoenix this week. Hopefully, we can um, turn it around there. Obviously, nobody will be expecting us to do a whole lot. But on to the next game in Perth, Glory and Wellington, the highest scoring team in the league, Perth. They've uh, had a big announcement, 3,000 people free through the gates for this one, and it was a nil-nil stalemate. So um, probably not the game you wanted, but... Overall, it actually, I saw a little bit of it again when I got home from the game. It wasn't actually a, a boring game. And Wellington, a very solid team away from home. The time difference, it's the distance derby. Um, you know, they'll be happy with that. Um, and Perth will probably be happy with, you know, getting a point from the league leaders. Yeah. Well, I think Wellington with some outs, especially, you know, uh, Zawada not being as fit as as he has been in recent times, Barbarousas as well, players like that missing, and then obviously taking the time difference and the fact that Perth are actually on a bit of a run at the moment. So, yeah, they couldn't break Perth down, and obviously Wellington are a solid team, so Perth couldn't break them down either, and ends up share spoiled. But uh, yeah, Perth are Perth are flying, and it was great to see them actually get that that eight thousand crowd. I think the best that they've had in quite a long time. So great to see for the league but we'll go on to Melbourne victory versus Central Coast Melbourne victory at home and Central Coast managed to go there even after playing 120 minutes uh they got went there and they got the job done in the end and wasn't was maybe their first the win prettiest. first winner Amy Park as well first against victory there. ever yeah was it, I don't know if it was a certain day 2001 or yeah I don't know something yeah. crazy First win in, in 10 years. I don't know. Either way, like you said, if you've played 120 minutes on Thursday night and then you rock up Sunday, so you've obviously got you know not a lot of time, obviously, to do too much preparation training-wise. You're just recovering. Um, but they yeah, played a lot of the same yeah. players. And they didn't all right, they didn't look as good as... And it was, you know, tactically by the, by the coach, it was unbelievable. It was obviously switched to a back five, means it's less running... You kind of can, uh, I guess, stop victory straight with their wingers. And it worked a treat. So uh, a lot of controversy as well. I don't want to touch on it too much because I don't want to I don't want to get in too much trouble with any of these red cards. But now that I'm back in the league. Um, but this yeah. week was a fucking joke, honestly. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. You're not going to say it. I'll say it because honestly, this week, the red cards that I've seen, I've never seen soft red cards in my fucking life. Even Halloran's one. He's fucking yeah. running back. It's not even, never been a red card ever. I yeah. think, yeah, anyway. I don't even know what to say anymore, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm going to be fucking running on my tippy toes when I get out of there. Yeah, it's just, I think, I and I can't understand it because uh, when Kingy, and, and I gave Kingy a rap last week on the show, um, and then <laughs> he was our referee. Don't think he was listening to the show, otherwise he would have probably favoured us a little bit. And they're bon- I think it was Bonatic, first 15 minutes, 10 minutes, goes studs up into Van der Sarg's ribs. I know he's pulling away. It's one of those ones where it's a switch out to the right winger, the centre-back's coming out, stretches his leg out. If you collect him with your studs in the ribs, like, I don't know, he had stud marks literally down his ribs. It's probably, could be a red card. There's at least a bit of intent there. It's reckless. Okay, if it's only a yellow, no problems as well. I've actually got no issues with that. I think the less red cards, the better. But then... Ben Halloran jogging or running, sprinting back. A guy cuts across him. He's trying to kind of get out of his way. He wasn't even intentionally, he wasn't even trying to tackle. You can see in his uh, his yeah. body language, in the way that he's trying to putting his hands up. And then he accidentally steps on the guy, but with zero force. Yes, it would hurt. Yes, it's a free kick. If you want to give a yellow for stopping a, a counterattack, yeah, yeah I, I actually agree with that. No worries. Um, yes, it looked bad when it slowed down. Yes, because everything fucking looks bad when it's slowed down if you step on someone's fucking Achilles. But yeah, yeah anyway. but there's no risk of injury. There's actually, in that situation, there's no risk of injury because there's no force behind it and the two just don't, always, they don't make sense. There's always a risk of injury in any tackle. We've said this a hundred times as well. It doesn't matter how soft. Sometimes you can do the most innocuous thing ever. You, you know, you do your ACL or you break your leg or it's not always the contact and we play a contact yeah. sport there's always going to be contact but anyway yeah it's it is <laughs> what it is obviously we can't change it i think it's just frustrating because you know it's not even it's not that consistent either i think sometimes they do give it a red but you know what there's probably three or four times someone steps on someone's achilles or calf in the game just doesn't get picked up could be happening behind the yeah. scenes and you don't even realize you're running across each other but anyway we'll go on to uh newcastle and macarthur Another team that played 120 minutes, um, and and they did pretty well, I guess, to get the the draw in that game. Again, you know, you're tired, you're fatigued, and after not winning, um, it actually shows quite a lot of character from them. Newcastle's point of view, um, probably disappointed not to be able to get three points, especially um, to to kind of push for that top six AP top of the goal scoring charts now with 14 goals. It was linked. I saw yesterday an article to a couple of championship teams and uh, a Serie B team. And he deserves whatever comes his way. You know, you score a lot of goals like he has. Um, you deserve a big move. So um, really, really good for him. Yes, fair play to him. And he's had such a good season. We spoke about him quite a lot. And obviously with MacArthur, they're, they're honestly doing really well as well. I think they've got... The players that they've brought in, they're foreigners. Uh, they've got so much quality. Uh, you saw in that game, goal, goal and assist for Jermaine and De Villa. And they're seriously, they're performing really well this year compared to, to the last years gone by. So uh, it was another good week of football. But we now have to get into our guest of the week. 
We've got Cassini Yangi joining us in a bit. Our big guest is finally here. Obviously, the time difference in the UK is uh, is a little bit different. We said 7 a.m. Adelaide time. He's rocked up 20 minutes later, but we'll uh, yeah we'll let that one slide. Welcome to Cassini Yengi. Thank you. It's um yeah good to good to see you. It's been a been a while. Um, would love to I guess I think find out firstly a little bit about your junior career and then we'll go into obviously the most recent stuff of you going away with the Asian Cup and and how well you're doing over in in England um but firstly take us back I guess I know a little bit about you from from playing with you but you know for your junior career when did you start playing football um seriously and when I guess did you think you were kind of going to make it and um yeah a little bit of that childhood experience yeah, sure. Um, I started playing really late. Uh, I used to like play sports all the time at school and I did like every every sport, but because mum and dad were busy with work, I never played any sports for like clubs. So I would just play for school and stuff like that. And I went to um, Giller Street Primary where the they do the Giller Street Markets now. And that is just like a little small kind of bitumen basketball court. So we didn't really have much space to really play. So I, I never really played football or soccer until later on I did I did little athletics and uh, at Henley and there was um a lad there whose dad coached the Fulham under 12s I reckon it was um Barry Mann and they because I was just like athletic and good at little athletics they asked me like do you want to come out and, and trial for, for Fulham under 12s and I went tried out I got in that year um but then I went overseas uh, with my father to Africa. So I was going to miss, I was, I was overseas for like two or three months and it was right in the middle of the season. So mom said, look, just, we're going to have to forget about this season and you go back again next year and try out again. And then hopefully you get in and then you'll play from there. And that's what happened. Came back, tried out the following year, got in. And then, yeah, that's where it kind of all kicked off at Fulham. Yeah. Why? And then, uh, do you want to build late, on that? Yeah, well, I guess yeah. just with that, before you went out for Fulham, um, mm. had you ever really kicked the ball before? Like, were you were you at home playing, or, or were you literally yeah. just doing little athletics, and then you've just gone out there and turned into Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> I, I didn't. Yeah, I'd kicked the I'd kicked the soccer ball before, like in the at the park or something here and there, but it was more an AFL ball that I'd kick around than uh, a soccer ball, to be honest, at that age, because dad is South Sudanese and like just came over and kind of fell in love with AFL. So he's like a massive Crows fan. So like every Friday night I was on the couch watching the Crows play. So it was more AFL that I was kind of involved in. And if I went to the park with my family, it was an AFL ball that was there that was not a soccer ball. So uh, yeah, I'd kicked one around in that and maybe at school and stuff like that, but never like played a game or any kind of competitive environment had I ever been in, in terms of football. Fuck, that's that's crazy. Usually, like, you would have, I don't know, kind of that passion there or you just love the sport or for whatever reason. And obviously, your dad's got no idea because he should be going for Port Adelaide, not, not the Crow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I have no idea how he, he got involved with supporting the Crows, really. But um, I don't know. I think it's a, 
it's quite a common theme that you see nowadays, like especially people of South Sudanese um, background, like they just love footy. But they're good at it. They're tall, oh, they're really? strong. And then I think, I don't know, they just kind of gravitated to it quite quickly. So he just fell in love with the sport. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Was there ever a, was there ever a chance that you would have played footy? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I was actually very good. I was very good at footy. And I had like all my school teachers and stuff that were like in love with footy wanted to take me to this club and that club to like to try out. I really wanted me to, to play footy. And I have an older brother as well who was like persistent on like, yeah, play footy. Like you're going to graduate from school. You get drafted straight away and you earn good money straight away. Like soccer, you have to go to Europe and it's far and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there was everyone wanted it's me not to wrong. play AFL. It is yeah. far and you are yeah. away now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he was right in the end, but I don't know. It, it turned out well, I guess. So in an, in an alternate universe, there's a Cassini Yangi playing half forward for the Crows next to Tex Walker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think I'm playing half forward. But I'm, I'm playing center. I'm playing center. Oh, I'm getting yeah? on the ball. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting involved. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. Howdy, Chris. Well, <laughs> Yeah, and then, so you played for, you obviously went back out to Fulham, I'm assuming, um, and then you've gone to Comets eventually. When did that come about? And then how did you get selected into the the NPL? I literally played that first season at Fulham and we were in like JSL, whatever it is. So we weren't in the in the top division, we were in the bottom division and we had like a pretty good team. So we will, we won that league, like smashed it. Like there was a game where I scored like seven goals in a game, like, we were like dominant and uh, that following season, I think yeah, those times they used to do the stick tournament. So I got selected straight away to the stick tournament, went and played for uh, West in like the early stage stick tournament, whatever. Went overseas again for a holiday because I used to go to Africa quite frequently to visit my dad because he moved back there. And then I was involved in a car crash, broke my arm, came back and it was like the final stages of the stick tournament and I couldn't play because of my broken arm. So what ended up happening was my brother had actually made the stick team as well. And he's the age group below me, but he'd made my stick team as like a standby player. So cause I got injured and broke my arm, he just came straight into the team and filled the spot and I was just on the sideline. So I missed that stick tournament, which was to go into like the Skillaroos, I think it was the under 13 team. And then end of that season, I guess because the, the competition at Fulham wasn't the best. And then I also had a, a stepfather that came into my life. who was Portuguese and he was coaching as well. So during that first year when I was playing at Fulham, we used to train Tuesday, Thursdays, and he used to coach at Metro Stars under 16s. And I used to go with him to his Metro Stars training on Wednesdays and Fridays. And I would train there with the under 16s as well, like as much as he would allow me to be involved. So I was training like a lot in that, in that, in that that time frame. So I think that's probably why like I picked everything up so quickly is because I was just doing a lot. Like I fell in love with it. And then that's, I, that's when I started playing more soccer at school and stuff like that. And then he moved from Metro stars to Adelaide Comets, the coach under thirteens. So I just went with him. So he, he, I just went with him and then played in his team and, and he coached me there. And then I was now playing in the, JPL, so the top division, which was a lot more competitive. So although I was doing really well, it's, I wasn't like taking the piss like I was in, in the year before. So it was a bit more challenging, a bit more difficult. Um, 
and we actually we actually had a we actually had a crazy team. And some of the players that were in that team, like they all play in MPL in, in Adelaide at like really good level. And so I've been involved in Adelaide United. Um, but yeah, at the end of that year, did stick tournament again, and then this time didn't break my arm. Got selected, went straight into the state team with Elvis Markov under 14s. Played under 14s. Went Coffs Harbour at the end of the year. Following year NTC with Carl. Um, and then up end of that NTC year um, was Adelaide and I didn't have the academy yet. So that's when there was still uh, AS, like how you boys went. Um, and I didn't get selected to go to AIS. And then there was no like pathway for me to go into United because they had like a team but they used to just train only and that team was full of the previous year's NTC team so there wasn't really many spots left and at that stage I was going through a phase where, where like everyone else was kind of hitting their growth spurts so everyone was getting bigger and stronger and taller than me and I wasn't hadn't hit my growth spurt yet so I was like this skillful kind of little skinny winger and you know I struggled a little bit in that NTC year I remember like I didn't start many games. I scored like maybe two or three goals that whole season, um, and uh, had an injury towards the end of the, the end of that season as well. So I struggled a little bit. Like I would do a step over and maybe push it past my gut, my man, and the guy would just put his arm up, and I would just be on the ground straight away. So I, that's when I had my first kind of struggle or kind of setback, I reckon, in in, in terms of football. Because before that, the, the previous two years I was flying, like just started, was amazing got better, got better. And then that kind of like went downhill a little bit there. Don't worry, brother. I, I still haven't hit my growth spurt and I'm 28. So. <laughs> this guy's saying he hasn't hit his growth spurt. He was probably six foot. He was six foot. He just... <laughs> no, there, there was some big lads, some big lads in, in that team, man. I remember like I used to get chucked around all the time. Um, yeah, and it's something that I've I've spoken about with, even with a few of the parents that I still know of players that were in that team. Like they are, now that I've out of that team, probably gone the furthest out of everyone. Like they ask me, like I get questioned all the time. Like, like you used to dribble all the time and stuff like that, and like you used to get bullied and pushed around, and look where you ended up now. And they always are, people ask me. I'm having conversations like, what was the difference? Like, what was the difference? And I think the thing was like I just. My, my stepdad was actually really good with me. Like he told me to just like ignore everything and I would just keep going. Like I would try to dribble someone and I would maybe lose the ball, but I wouldn't like drop my head and I would just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And maybe my teammates would get pissed off or my coach would get a bit angry and stuff like that. But like, I think that persistence in the end just like helped me become successful and, and I got better. And yeah. Yeah. That makes Makes sense. I guess mm. like a lot of players that you play with back then, you know, the, the, I think me and Ben were the same. We had, you know, four or five state team players and um, in our Adelaide City team. And there was no difference really between us. You wouldn't say, you know, we're so much better than them. But mm. I think, you know, there's those small little details, whether we more were more committed or um, like you said, we, we kept going. You know, if we made a mistake, we didn't care about it. I think those small little things are, are the big, big difference in, in the end. Um but going into now Adelaide United, um, obviously you've gone into the NPL and then into the senior team. Um, I want to just touch on, I guess, the the first thing, well, not first thing, but when I came in, I remember you were coming, you were training with us. Um, we were playing a, a pre-season game in in Sydney and Cassini, Cassini Yangi is a top player, maybe had a little bit of attitude 
And we're on the field. We're playing. I think we're playing MacArthur Balls. And I was like, I was obviously captain. I was. I'd just been announced captain. So I was like, but I was 25. So I was still quite young. And we're playing in this game. And I remember I was telling Yaya Dukali to to tuck in or something. And then Cassini get, just turns around and starts yelling at me. And then we get into the change rooms at halftime. And I think you were then losing it at, at uh, Jimmy Troisi as well or saying something. And then Cole just fucking comes in, loses it, takes you off at halftime. And I was coming off anyway. And I just remember obviously going up to you in the, cha- in the stands there and just having a bit of a chat with you and just saying like, uh, you know, you can't. You can't do that type of stuff. It's it's a uh, you know if you want to have a chat, do it afterwards. Do it behind closed doors. And I'm not saying that's the reason why you've gone on to do what you've done. But we obviously, as a leadership group, then had to come up with a punishment. So we got you to train with the youth team for a week, and that's probably the most. Uh, I had to do it when I was young. I missed a I missed a training session because I was late, and John Aloisi made me train with the youth team. It's probably one of the most embarrassing things because you're a first team player. You've got to go down and train with the youth team. But I genuinely think the difference from you from then and compared to some of the other young boys that were there, it seemed like a big change in your attitude. Um, I don't know if it was something that you consciously made or it was always going to happen. Um, but do obviously you remember it. Was it something that you actually did try and change afterwards? Not Not the respect. You're always respectful, but on the field. And then now you've gone on to do what you've done you have to have a level of maturity and commitment. Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I don't know. I think I remember there was a lot of other, there was a lot of stuff that built up to that moment, of course. And even that there was that trip beforehand. There was, I came to that, you know, I was getting a lot of confidence. I was getting a lot of confidence. Well, you came, you know? you came to the yeah. airport in Birkenstock. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I just, I just come into the first, I'd been in the first team for like, like a season now. So I was kind of like, Felt a bit more confident about my position. I think at that at that time, there wasn't another striker at the club. Tommy Urich hadn't signed yet, so I was the, the starting striker at that at that moment in time, and I kind of wanted to step up into that role. And you know, my head was getting a bit big, and I got a bit excited. So there was a few things like, you know, you, you're a kid, and you you watch these superstars on the TV all the time, and you see like Neymar like wearing earrings when he's warming up and stuff like that. So there was all these little things that I used to try to do or like copy them and, and be like the stars. So I remember there was the Birkenstocks that I came to the airport um, wearing. And then there was that chat about the Birkenstocks. There was the earrings and the warm ups that I used to wear. And then obviously what happened in the game. But I don't know. I think after that, that moment, um, I was quite a stubborn kid. And I remember like I didn't really speak to Carl for, for a little bit of time after that. And I was kind of just training with the, with the youth team for a few days. And I remember it was Colin that came, came and chat to me after one day you guys had all left. Um, Cause they didn't want me to use the, the gym until you boys had left. So I went in there and Colin came and found me and said, had a chat with me. And I, I remember him just saying like, you know, you're young and, and you're going to make mistakes and you just need to like own up to it. And, and, apologize to Carl and, and he knows that you're a good kid and, and wants to have you back in training, but he just wants you to, to understand and, you know, get your headset straight so you can just focus on your football and kind of leave all those other distractions away. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a, a conscious kind of decision that I'd made. That was always the kid that I was brought up to be, you know, like my parents made sure that I was really respectful and I kind of followed, followed the rules and like that kind of mindset of like, 
I think I, I just, I'd spoken about it with you probably as well. And just like not giving a coach or, or anyone opportunity to, to know, to fault you or to like, to keep you out of the team. So make sure you're, you're arriving on time. You're, you're doing everything right in training. You're trying your best and, and you're working hard. So that way, if you're doing all those things right, you know, the coach doesn't have an excuse to like leave you out of the team or, or say you're not doing this. So that's no one, that's why I'm not playing you. And I kind of adapted that kind of mentality and just from then on forward, just tried my best to make sure I, I stayed in line. You know, like I, I like to stand out. I like to, to be a bit different, but there's other ways you can go about it than, you know, rocking up the airport in Birkenstocks or, or wearing earrings when you're warming up. So um, that's, that's kind of a conscious kind of decision that I've, I've made and, and decided to, you know, to, to try to follow for the rest of my career. If that answers the question. That's super. That's good. And I think that the mindset and, and you know, the way that, that your parents have brought you up with those values is 120% the right way to go about things because I've seen too many times the, the victim mentality. I'm sure you've seen it as well in your career. It doesn't really get you too far and I think if you can do those small things right and not give anyone an excuse, even if you're not playing or the coach doesn't like you, it's very easy to find excuses, but it's often a lot harder to actually look in the mirror and ask why, why am I in the position that I'm in? So um, mm. I suppose going on to the next kind of stage of your career, you made the move to, to Western Sydney Wanderers, which... I remember actually when you went there, I was a bit surprised. I, I said to Steph, like, oh, why is he leaving? Like, I thought you were doing really well at Adelaide. And I thought if you had a few or a year or two more at Adelaide that you would have went overseas directly from there. But you made the decision to to go over to Western Sydney Wanderers. And I suppose what what was the the reasoning behind that and and how did it kind of come about? That, that was just all a bit of a, a disaster, really, that, that whole situation, because coming off that, that year with Steph, where that, that incident happened, um, I had a pretty good run towards the end of the season after the victory game, scored my first goal and then went on a good run. We were, what did we do, like nine games in a row or something? We were just winning games. Yeah. Like having, I was having so much fun playing my football and that's my head got a bit big again. That was when I was doing the roles and all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, I was just enjoying life and enjoying football and, uh, I had an, attracted some interest from overseas and I, I wanted to go. Um, I wanted to, I didn't really care where it was. I just, I just wanted to, to go to Europe and I thought I had the mindset that like, once I'm over there, I'm just going to do what I've been doing here and just work hard and improve and everything will be all right. Um, so I wanted to go and I had still had con one more year left in my contract plus an option if I'd played another 15 games the next season, it extend again. So Adelaide were getting like some decent transfer offers in from, from a Polish team called Raku and they were just kept on declining and uh, asking for more money. And I even sat down like with the owner for a coffee and asked him like if he could just accept because I wanted to go and they didn't let me go. So I um, ended up staying for another season and then uh, pre-season went really well. I was really happy. I was excited. Um, I was going to be the starting number nine. Carl had told me I was going to be starting number nine, so everything was going well. We started off the season quite well, I think. Yeah, against Perth, we, we drew away. It was a decent result. I'd scored. And then I think a game or two games later, I had a massive injury. So I just tore my rec fem, um, the tendon, and had to have an operation. 
And so I was going to be out for pretty much the whole season. And because I was going to be out for the whole season, the trigger wasn't going to happen because I wasn't going to start 15 games because I was going to miss the whole season. So I was going to be a free agent at the end of that season. And then did my rehab, had a few bumps in the rehab. And uh, I was planning that at the end of the season, I would just leave on, on a free. Um, there would probably have to be training and compensation or whatever, but I wouldn't be locked in. You know, I'd be able to like make that decision myself kind of thing. Um, but then a few of the clubs that were interested were then questioning me as a player and my body because I'd had a few injuries in the season before and then that massive injury, was I going to be the same player? How was I going to adapt to European football playing more games and, and things like this? So clubs got a bit hesitant and then I realised, oh, I'm not going to go overseas here. And um, I ended up coming back at the end of that, that season. I think, I don't know if you were playing, my first game back was Western, Western United at home. I played against Western United at home the last, the very last game of the season, and I had a good game. Oh, yeah. Carl chuck, chucked me in straight away into the starting lineup. I hadn't played a minute of football before. My contract was up, and um, Adelaide had, Adelaide were having like the person who like I don't know a veto. What's his role? Like the the guy who football signs people, director, football director, yeah. whatever. Bruce was there and then Vito came and then Vito left. So there was like no one like really liaison with my, with my agent at the time um, in terms of me signing a new deal or whatnot. And then and in the end, they ended up sending me a contract, which was literally like another scholarship contract. And I was like, well, they wanted like a million something buyout if someone wanted to sign me. And then they wanted to pay me like 60,000 or whatever. So it was like, it was absolutely ridiculous for me to, to even think about signing that contract. So I just left it and said no nah, i just want to focus on my injury get back and, and play my football and that's what i did and then carl chucked me straight in did really well and then we went on to the final series played against central coast i scored it again and then we went again melbourne city and i ended up getting called up to go to the Oli Roo. so i went off to uzbekistan and i hadn't even organized anything of what i was doing the following season no one from adelaide had come to speak with me because Vito had left so no one had called me or anything and i was flying over to to Uzbekistan, about to fly over to Uzbekistan, thinking like, what am I doing? I don't know. Like at that moment, me coming off contract, like almost every club in the 80s started phoning me, asking like, what was I, what was I gonna do? Where did I wanna sign? And Marco Rudan had, was someone that I had spoken to a few times and uh, really wanted me, He'd spoken to me like the year before. So he was at Western Sydney. And then I was thinking in my head like, Adelaide haven't offered me really anything. I really wanted to stay Adelaide kind of thing, but I was waiting for them to, to give me an offer. And then Western Sydney came in and then I thought, oh, I want to go overseas soon. And uh, Adelaide going to help me do that. Are they going to give me a, a, a nice buyout clause or will they help me in the future when I, when I want to leave? And I was a bit confused. I didn't really have anyone in my corner to kind of give me much support. And I'm not really a guy that likes going and, and speaking to so many different people about all these kind of things. I kind of keep things to myself. So I, I kind of just spoke with myself and uh, had a new agent at that time as well. So yeah, I, I ended up deciding that I sat down with my agent and thought about it. Look, Western Sydney offering me a decent deal. The main thing that was so appealing from them was the buyout clause, which I knew that if I just played a full season and, and got games and then had all right seasons, I would be able to get overseas um, to Europe with that. So that was my main objective is like, I want to go to Europe. I need to have a contract that's going to be set up to allow me to do that. Um, 
So I think maybe I, I might have rushed into it a bit. I should have maybe taken a bit more time. Um, and I ended up uh, signing the contract with Wanderers. And then as soon as I signed the contract with Wanderers, here comes Adelaide calling me, calling me. They didn't know I'd signed with Wanderers. But then I was thinking, oh, my God, I, want to, I wanted to stay here at Adelaide. And now I've signed a contract to go to Wanderers. And I was just in a bit of like, oh, my head was gone, really. And I, I'd, I'd flown over to Uzbekistan at this time. And then Carl was calling me all the way in Uzbekistan saying like, what's going on? And I just didn't know what to do. And, you know, honestly, there was, there was, there was moments when I was thinking, do I call Western Sydney and say, look, oh, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I've made a mistake here. I kind of want to stay. <laughs> I was, I was, my head was actually so gone. Um, and then in the end, I had to, I had to, you know, just believe in the decision that I'd made. And uh, for the reasonings that I'd made, I also thought about, you know, I'd been in Adelaide my whole life living with my mum. So maybe it's a good idea for me to, to get out of home and, and experience what it's like to be to be away from my from my mum and from my family. If I'm going to go overseas, that would help me. Um, and spoke with Marco as well. And, and he, he was very convincing and, you know, just told me he's going to look after me and we're going to work hard. And I made a decision for, for, for a good reason. And yeah, so I just changed my whole mindset from thinking like, oh, maybe I want, I want to stay in, stay in Adelaide to just fully focused on Western Sydney and then, yeah, it was uh, that Oli Roos tournament was a bit mental as well. I had like a red card and everything, so my head was kind of gone a little bit, and I didn't really have much time off in that in that off season. So I remember going going to preseason at Wanderers, not probably in, in the in the best frame of mind. But yeah, that's everything that happened there with me ending up going from Adelaide to to Wanderers. Yeah, crazy. I think. Yeah, I think it's no. it's um. Uh, for any young player or anyone listening that's, you know, maybe a parent that's got a young kid coming through and, and they're going to be in a similar situation, I think probably the most important thing is like just having good people around you, you know, like it's obviously was a weird, weird year in Adelaide with the transition with different people leaving and that's not normal. But I think, you know, always having the right people in your corner can help. Um, but I think you also made the best decision what you, everything you kind of articulated then, you know, you wanted to get overseas, you're worried about the buyout clause. I think, you know, deep down you knew you wanted it, but it's always scary, the unknown, moving away from Adelaide. Um, it, it's 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 not a, an easy decision, but I think it was probably the best thing for you because you're now over in, in England playing for Portsmouth. So you've had the season at West Sydney. The moves come through. Um, was there any other teams that you could have went to or, or and was England the number one place that you wanted to go to at this stage? Yeah, there was a few uh, clubs I could have gone to. Um, Portsmouth actually came in quite late. Originally, um, uh, PK was at, at Troyes in France. And so uh, Fahid Benkafal is my agent and his French background, obviously. So he was pretty keen on me, on me going to France. And obviously, PK, the Australian connection, you know, I'd be able to get along with him and understand him quite well. Wouldn't have really a language barrier and stuff like this. Um but that was just really complicated. So in my, in my head, that's where I thought I was going to go originally. But um, it's a city group club. So there were so many different things that had to be moved around for, for that transfer to go through. And then Portsmouth came in and, and, and you know, pitched to me their, their idea and what they wanted to do with me and, and how they wanted the club to, to go moving forward. And I was, I was convinced and... Uh, Obviously, coming over to England, I knew there wouldn't be like a, a language barrier, and and there were things happen in England so fast. Like you know, there's 
players getting transfers from here to there to there so quickly if you're doing well in England. So that was also something that I looked at and also the amount of games, you know, I, I, I have the confidence in my body, but I think there was a lot of people around me that didn't have the confidence based on my past history or my injury and stuff like that. So that kind of like played in my mind a little bit, but you know, I, I knew that if I, if I get my body right, everything would be good. And I'd be able to play so many games in one season that I think I'd just be able to improve as a player and get so much experience under my belt, which is what's been happening so far. So yeah, I, I decided on, on Portsmouth and, and that's what we went ahead with and it's turned out pretty well so far. You guys are absolutely flying at the moment, top in League One. And I suppose that, that transition period, like we talk about, is always probably the hardest, especially for us Aussies being so far away, number one geographically, but also not having that competitive nature of promotion, relegation, and, you know, 20,000 fans in the stadium every week, uh, expecting that you guys are going to win. How has that? been how has that transition period been and obviously yeah you're 35 games into the season and you've still got quite a few games to go uh the season's very long over there so i suppose yeah how how was the transition period and the whole experience been for you so far it was i think for me it ended up being really easy um i came over here i was i knew i was going to go overseas like i said um like the moment the season was coming to an end at Wanderers, I knew I was going to go overseas. So coming into the off season, I went back to Adelaide and me and my brother, like I wrote up a training program and we were training like quite hard. And every single day we had Sunday off, but we were doing a lot of swimming, running, we're doing football sessions throughout the week just to get my body feeling like in prime shape. I knew that I was going to have to go over at some point um, over to Europe. So I trained really hard in this off season to, to be fit and to be ready for, for this move. So when I went over there, I went straight into a, I'd missed the first block of preseason. Uh, I literally went over to, to the UK, signed my contract. And then a day or two days later, met the first time I ever met any of my teammates or anything was walking onto the team bus at 4am heading to Heathrow airport to go to a preseason trip in Marbella. So I literally walked into the bus, didn't know anyone, just said like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Like, wasn't sure where to sit because people had like their seats or whatnot. Went to a preseason <laughs> trip in Marbella and yeah, it was boiling hot out there. They had us training quite hard. To be fair, they looked after me quite well because of the, the travel and, and whatnot. But as soon as, the, as soon as that trip was over, we came back to England, trained for like a few days and the season started. So preseason was like, quick and sharp and I felt fresh and the season started and we had the first game of the season and, and I was feeling confident going into that season just purely based on the fact that I knew I'd put in the work in, in the off season to to you know to improve things that I wanted to improve in my game and, and also to get my fitness up so I went into training sessions with Portsmouth feeling like on top of the world like I felt really good I felt confident about my ability and I wanted to just come in there and show them what I'd got and I think that's what I did and yeah, obviously, I, I came on in that first game of the season at home at, at Fratton and scored the equalising goal straight away in, in the, the 80-something minute or something like that and just set me up for for the start of a, of a great season and the fans kind of fell in love with me very quickly, especially after that, that first game. So, yeah, the, the transition wasn't, wasn't that difficult for me. I think people keep on asking me all the time. It's like the most 
number one question I get asked all the time is what's the difference between A-League and League One? Like all my teammates, every, anyone I speak to about football, that's the first question they ask me. And I really don't know. Like I, when I'm playing in League One, I feel like it was harder in the A-League when I was playing. But there's so many like differences between the leagues, but they also it also feels similar at the same time. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it to people, but I feel like everyone over here in England, especially in League One and that is like, the football smartness is just like to a different standard, like when to play or when to not play. And like, if you're stuck in a situation, maybe just win a throw in here. And where's I think in like Australia, like everyone kind of just tries to play that picture perfect football. And then sometimes people get, end up making mistakes in areas that they shouldn't be making mistakes and then leads to a turnover and an easy goal. And then also the weather is, is another big factor. I feel like, I just feel like over here I have so much more energy when it's like a bit colder. I feel like I can just run around and I feel a lot fresher and stuff like that. Whereas when I was playing in the A-League, I just felt like I was playing like a weight vest on my back like the whole time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great. The transition was quite smooth for me and I think I'm doing well. Yeah, it's it's hard. I think every league, every league is completely different. You know, whether it's League One, Championship, Premier League, all right, they've probably got more similarities because you're in the same country. But you know, even when I was in Holland or Japan or Ben was in Scotland, like the same things. Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to kind of understand what's the difference. I think the A-League, the standard is good. The quality is good, but it's a completely different league. And, and not having promotion and relegation allows every team to try and play football in the way they want. And if we lose or if we concede a goal, we'll, we'll just go next week where straight away, you know, you would have noticed that you win and you get three points. It means so much more because that three points is helping you to get to the position you want, whether that's promotion or avoid relegation. And you understand that winning is all that matters. It doesn't matter how you play. If you're winning and you're playing like dog shit, who cares? We're winning. Everybody's buzzing. The fans are happy. Um, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. And, and that's something that if it does come in here, will we'll really change the landscape of it. But, um, We'll get on to the next thing before we go into the questions. Um, how did the Socceroos call-up come about? So you're obviously flying with Portsmouth. Was this something, um, as every player, and I know you, you're ambitious, you want to be in, in the national team. So I'm sure you wanted to be in there, but did you realistically think that was something that was going to come? And then and then how exactly did it did it all happen? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I knew it was going to come. I wanted it to come. I literally had it written up in a whiteboard in, in my bedroom, um, did some goal setting, not too, I think at the start of the Western Sydney season of some, you know, smaller targets that I wanted to hit throughout the year and, and then bigger goals. And, you know, something that I took away from working with Jenny at, um, at Adelaide, I guess, um, like goal setting and things like that. So yeah, it, it came about, obviously I had a great start to the season um, at Portsmouth. And I think I had like four goals in like two games, my first two games. And there was an international window coming up and they'd been monitoring me. And then uh, it was time for selection for the squad. And I got told, okay, yeah, you're going to be in the squad for the camp in Dallas. There was a friendly against Mexico, I think it was. And literally the same day that I got notified that I was going to be in the squad, I got injured in training. Someone tackled me from behind and I uh, like did my syndesmosis in my ankle. So I missed out on that camp, was out for like seven, eight weeks and then came back, started off really well again, scoring a few goals. And then you kind of know when it's coming because you get like these texts 
like they're monitoring you like oh you're in contention for the squad how's your body blah blah, blah whatever whatever so you kind of have an idea of when it, it might might be coming um and then woke up one morning and literally had a text message on my phone whatsapp from an unknown number saying i had a missed call and then a, a message saying hey it's arnie can you give me a call and then uh gave him a call and he said that he wanted to call me up and that was the following uh window which was the first international uh, world cup qualifiers um so yeah it was a it was a bit i would say it wasn't really daunting because i think there's so many players in that squad that i knew like or had already played with um and the environment is like so friendly and like just kind of chilled and relaxed i think it comes from, comes from arnie himself he's kind of just like maybe when you watch him on tv and stuff he looks a bit stressed and blah blah whatever but when you're in camp like he's literally almost feels like he's like one of the lads the way that he like communicates with everyone and like moves around around the hotel and, and the camp and stuff like that so it was a quite smooth and, and easy transition into that team and there's a lot of older boys in that team that that are quite good that i've like played against and stuff like like maka for instance who you know was, was giving me advice and talking to me and uh letting me know like all the little things when you go into a new environment that you might need to be aware of and stuff like that there's some, some great older boys in that in that group that are really friendly compared to like you know when you hear stories of like old old players saying like oh yeah back in my time like it was like this was like that like none of those those boys were like anything like that like they're all like really friendly and stuff like that so yeah it was it was a quite smooth and easy transition into, into the national team to be fair yeah great i think we're we are probably lucky right now i look at a lot of the boys in there I suppose the the older boys, most are now my age, because or our age, Steph, because we're getting a bit older now. But um, it's funny. I remember, you know, when I was young, and obviously, you know, you're you're not old, but you're not young, really young yeah. either. But when I was a young boy, I was like, fuck, I would absolutely shit my pants if I went into a soccer camp with like, <laughs> really getting that like, Tim Cahill and all these boys. Like, yeah. I would just purely just on nervousness i would just be i knew i would play like shit i'd be like nah i'll, I'll crumble with them for it where i think we are a bit luckier now and i think a lot of those older boys are really really good guys as well so uh from all accounts from everything that i've heard the the group and the culture within the group with the national team at the moment is really good so um i'm sure that's a great place to be where players actually can thrive and, and play their best football and that's the most important thing when you're going into that national team setup, so uh, we'll we'll get into yeah. some questions from the from the listeners because there's been quite a few that have come through for you. The pop property at the moment, so we'll get into the the third one. It's from at Joe.3H. If you could pinpoint one or two things from your childhood that had an impact on both yourself and your brother making it to a professional level, what would it be? I think for me one of the, the biggest things that it's probably not directly related to football but was like all the travel that I did growing up like I got to see the world I was so fortunate for that you know that my parents like they would they would take me out of school to go overseas they would rather me go overseas and see the world and stuff like that than you know, be stuck in school for a few days, or whatnot. And I think in those moments and those experiences and those trips, I learned so much. Like I got to see 
people that have nothing and I got to see people that have everything and that kind of opened my eyes for life in general and I think that really helped me because my just my perspective on the world and just the way I think about things is, is maybe a little bit different to others and that you know that drive that work ethic um, you know when you see someone that has nothing and how hard they work for work for things it makes you appreciate the things that you have so much more and and to want to work harder to to achieve things you know the lengths and they go to 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 achieve things and to provide for for their family and stuff like that opened my eyes and I, I, I think I look at the world a bit differently now and um, I'm very more very much more appreciative of, of the things that I have and you know when you work for something it and it makes you feel a bit better about it and I think that's helped me in, in my football um, it's helped me stay dedicated because I want to achieve things and I want to be able to provide for my family in the future and uh, seeing that work ethic you know it drives me and uh, yeah those experiences directly haven't like they haven't made me you know control the ball better or score goals better but just day to day the little things the effort that I put in training the the extras that I do and and the things that I do to take care of my body and stuff like that I think they all come from just the bigger picture of of, of you know seeing different things in, within the world yeah, I think from knowing you, and, and I think this is a really good thing, like what obviously everybody's got a different childhood, everybody has a different background, everybody comes from a different place, especially in Australia, we're very multicultural, but you know, the, the perception of you, especially after, let's say, you know, the Birkenstocks, the chatting back, maybe the rolling on the ground, the celebration in front of victory, for example, the dancing on TikTok back then. People can paint a picture and say what they want about you. But I, I just remember going to, I think we we're at Day Job Cafe, me, you and Delhi, and we're just having a chat um, about your childhood, about different things that you're obviously dealing with with your family. And um, I think a really important thing is, is just because of what you see someone on social media or how you see them act on, on the field, that doesn't mean that's who they are as a person. Um, and that, I guess, really opened my eyes up towards, I guess, how other people can be. Um, and you should be so proud, I guess, of, of what you've been able to achieve. Um, and, and you're still obviously going to go and achieve more, but yeah, I think for anyone, it would be great to try and speak to a player first, especially in the change room before you kind of judge them because you never know, I guess, what they're going through. Um, but yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's awesome to see you doing so well. And I know it's not really about the questions, but I just wanted to say that because I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really happy for you. And we'll go on to the next question. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Seth. No, I his, his, head's, his head's just getting bigger and bigger. It's going to knock him in the screen. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully they've got big doors over there in, in Portsmouth. But um, I'll, get, I'll go for this one. Honestly, I, this is your coach's name. I haven't done enough research. but um, John from, Mourinho. Yeah, John Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a piss take. Um, no. Alan Riley. Uh, John Messina has been getting a lot of praise for the job he's doing at Pompey. How are you finding him as a coach? He's good. He's a, he's he's very young in terms of his coaching career. Um, he literally he played in League One last year, so he left his club halfway through the season to become the head coach of Portsmouth and was a player coach. I didn't even know that was really a thing. I thought it was just like on FIFA or something like that. <laughs> in that same season. Um, so yeah, he's in terms of his like experience as a coach, he's really young, but you know, I think that also helps him because he's so freshly like off the 
off being a player, he kind of understands how the players feel and, you know, about days off and about training load and, and all these things. Whereas I think maybe some coaches have had in the past, like when you're out of the game for maybe such a long period of time, you don't, you forget what it's like to be a player and like how stressful football can be and, and on your body and the demands of, of everything. And he does a really good job to keep the players happy, um, to engage us. And, um, he's like constantly wanting to learn, you know, like he's doing coaching courses and, and trying to learn off other people. And, and he's takes in feedback really well. You know, we got a lot of, we've got a few experienced players in our, in our team that have played in the championship and league one for, for a number of years. And he's very open to like interacting with them and like hearing feedback from them and their opinions. And then using that advice or whatnot to, you know, to, to gauge how the players might be feeling or what he might change within the team or, or the training sessions and stuff like that. So yeah, he's, he's been great and I've been enjoying, enjoying playing under him. I wish he'd play me a bit more, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's been good and he's a good coach. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Straight out of playing into, into a coaching gig. That's very, very rare. I think Damien Murray yeah. back in the day when I was uh, when we were at Adelaide City, he used to be a player coach as well, just sub himself on for the last thirty minutes. Big <laughs> <laughs> frogger already, yeah. uh, but it's crazy. Um, should we do one more, Ben? You want to give it one more, and then we'll wrap it up. Well, there's a lot of questions here about, I suppose, you know, how was the transition? Um, you know, what do you think the difference is between League One and you know, the A-League and is it promotion relegation, what is it? But I think we've touched on a lot of that. For me, I actually just want to ask because you guys are sitting top at the moment and this is your first year there. Uh, is it is there kind of a little bit inside? I know as footballers, we tend to go game by game and not look too far ahead. But, you know, it'd be a dream come true after your first year uh, to be going straight into the championship. I'm sure that's probably a natural progression that you saw maybe for your career when you did go over there. And if you can do that at the club that you're already at, instead of having to move and, and you know, make that next step, that's even better. Uh, are you, you know, would that be a dream come true? First season promotion with, with Portsmouth? Yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, I think, to be honest with you, uh, when Portsmouth were interested in me, um, and obviously I don't follow League One that well. So I'd obviously looked at the table and how they went last year. And uh, Obviously I knew of the club because they played in the Premier League in, in the past and whatnot, but um, I was kind of a bit hesitant. Um, might sound like I've got a bit of a big head, but I, I kind of feel like myself as a player, like I have qualities and I think my potential, I can play at a much higher level than League One. Um, so coming over to Portsmouth, I was hoping that, and they had told me that promotion was what they wanted and, and we were going to achieve that. So from, from the very get-go, when I came over, that was what I'd spoken about with them and said, look, I, I want to play it. They said to me as well, like, look, we think you can play at a higher level than, than League One and we, we really want, want to push for promotion. So we're hoping we're going to do that and we think that your your strengths and your ability can, can help us get there. So from the very moment I came over here, my goal has been to get promoted straight away, to get into the championship, to play at a higher level and, and to help the club, but also help myself and, and get to a higher level. And then, cause ultimately I play for Portsmouth and I, I want to help the club as much as, as much as possible, but also on a personal level, I want to get to the top and I want to, to be the best player I can be and play at the highest level I can play at. So 
that's definitely something that's been in my head as a goal is to get promoted with the team and uh, to help Pompey get back up. And that's, you know, from the owners and from the staff and, and all the players, that's that's everyone's, been everyone's objective since the start of the season. I think now going into, you know, halfway point when we were, we were top and, and we were doing really well, everyone started to gain a lot more confidence in terms of, yeah, we can really do it, do something this year and we can really, um, and go up. I think maybe at the start of the season, not everyone had the belief that we were actually going to go up, but, you know, it's not done yet, but we're in a very strong, we put ourselves in a very strong position and I'm hoping that we, we hold out for the rest of the season and when we go up. Yeah, that would be a dream and it'd be awesome. You know, I think it's it'd be my first kind of, I'd, I've got an FFA Cup medal at home, but I wasn't really part of that team at all, really. So it'd be the first kind of, you know, promotion or kind of award or winning in, in a team environment at a professional level that I'd experience as a player. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. Yeah, awesome. Fingers crossed you guys can hang on the last 11 games. We were just looking at the the table before. It's it's crazy. 11 more games to go. So it's still 33 points potentially, but you're in a very, very strong position. So good luck for the rest of the year. And it was really, really pleasurable for, I guess, both of us chatting to you. Um, I think everybody will take away a lot from this. You know, like I said earlier, everybody's got a different childhood. Everybody comes from somewhere completely different. But I think the things that they can take away from this chat are are really big. Um, and they're the reason, you know, so any of the parents, if you want to send them the link to this, you can, uh, that you played with at the Comets, they'll know exactly why you made it. Maybe and their kids didn't make it potentially. Um, and that was that drive and resilience and um, that attitude, I think, is going to help you get to the top and um, hopefully you're in the, the Premier League one day playing for the Gunners. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm not sure about Gunners. <laughs> I'm not sure about Liverpool either. <laughs> what is, uh, he chose just do a good man. Yeah. Yeah, good boys, but... That'd be top. That'd be a great story. But thanks top. very much uh, and good luck for the rest of the year. All the best, brother. Cheers, Thank mate. you, boys. Football Friends with Ben and Steph is proudly brought to you by the Inner Game Journals, started by none other than our co-host, Stefan Moore. The Athlete Performance Journals were created to help athletes of all abilities become more self-aware through goal setting and reflection. On or off the field, the mental side of the game is so crucial to help you feel and perform at your best. Head over to www.theinnergamejournals.com and use code FOOTBALLFRIENDS to get 15% of all products. If you're a club, school or a Academy, you're in luck. Stefan also runs workshops and he's just released the app version, which will allow you to give direct feedback to players. Download the app for free today. Search the inner game on the App Store. Another top chat that was. I think the the listeners will really enjoy that one. Um, obviously, from the personal point of view, for me, as I stated in there, um, you know, it's just really exciting uh, to see like someone, a young player that you kind of helped helped along the way like being a small part of his journey and he did have a, quite a few issues to be honest like he was really uh it wasn't bad he was never a bad kid as you can see from the way he speaks he's quite articulate um he does have that respect but you know he he would have probably got a little bit too big for his boots as he said um and to see him turn that around because you know you would have seen many players kind of go down that place and they keep going further and further away and then they're out the system where he's gone the complete opposite way um, and he's doing so well now at Portsmouth. So 
I'm happy. I'm happy to kind of see him doing well. Um, it was great to chat with him. Um, what did what did you take away from that one? I just can't believe he started playing when he was fucking twelve years old. <laughs> he's obviously been blessed with some uh, pretty good natural talent, I think, or natural yeah. athleticism as well. Because honestly, you start playing at that age, that's like that's probably a good five to seven years of misdevelopment and mm. touches on the ball when you're at that young age, which for me is crucial. So he was obviously unbelievable just naturally. And he's a very technical player, like great yeah. touch. He's got really good close control, good dribbler. And for someone that started playing so late, it's surprising. So yeah, that, that was my um, key takeaway. What did you say to him after yeah. he got a bit chirpy? What did you, did you give him a clip around the ears or? <laughs> no, nah, I was pretty much. Yeah, it was actually like, it was one of the early, probably the first big like confrontation I had as captain. And it was like, it's hard because he would have been maybe 20, 20, 21. So he wasn't that, I was 24 or 25. Like he wasn't that much younger than me. But I just remember I sat down in the stands next to him because we both, I came off because I was coming back from my, uh, my broken leg and he was obviously dragged. And I just said like, like everybody here wants you to do well, you know, but you just, you have to have a level of respect. And, you know, I've got no problem with you saying stuff to me but you can't say it in front of everyone in the team if i tell you to do something in the game just shut up get into position and we can speak about it afterwards and then at half time to then you know say something to i think it was Troisi, and then kind of say something back to Cole. i said it's just not the way football works like you can't you have to have that level of respect and um like he said you know he probably straight away the first initial thing is to put that wall up and to be like you know what fuck these guys you know what they don't want the best for me but we do. And it's the same with any young player. You actually do want the best for them. If you, what I said to someone the other day, actually, I said, if I'm not talking to you and you're a young boy, it means I don't rate you. I don't think you're worth my time, for example. So if someone's Maybe. speaking to you, it's the same with coaches. If they're speaking to you, it means they actually really like you as a player, like you as a person. So don't take the criticism in a bad way. Just take it as, as a learning experience because everybody makes mistakes. We both did it. Um, but yeah, it's it's it was it was like almost like you had to kind of look twice at the time, especially the Birkenstocks at the airport. Like all of us, like all of the older boys were like looking at me and be like, "You got to go and say something to him." And I was thinking, "Fucking hell, this guy! Like, who even thinks to do that?" But now he's uh, now he's playing for for Pompey and in the Socceroos, so he, he yeah, seems to be fine. going all right. Yeah, it's good. It was a that uh, no, was a good chat. But now it's a big kind of announcement for us we've got our giveaway winner so for all of you that have tuned in that asked your questions thank you very much but there can only be one winner and it is at blake Sully on instagram he's asked actually quite a few questions throughout our journey so far on the podcast so i think a deserving winner uh you were the one that got chosen from the random picker that we did so it's all legitimate so congratulations to you you win two signed jerseys, one from me, a Western United jersey, one Adelaide United jersey from Steph that's also signed, and two tickets to a game of your choosing for the rest of the regular A-League men season or women's, whatever game you would like to go to. So congratulations to you, and thank you guys for all participating in the giveaway. And you're more than welcome to to use that Western United jersey to... Uh to clean your bathroom as well. So if you don't want that one, it's not a problem. You do what with your money. <laughs> you do whatever you want, but it could have went to so, someone else. So maybe just 
don't at least use the part where the badge is and don't use the part where I've signed it. If you want to use the Guru Chair 17, whatever, do do what you like. Yeah, but no, we appreciate we appreciate everyone entering. We'll we'll try and do more giveaways or different things, um, you know, as, as much as we possibly can. But yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll quickly wrap it up with our round 19 preview. Um, Melbourne City go away to the Bulls on Friday night, which is a big, big game for both teams. Um, your boys, hopefully you're back out there. I've got Perth at home. Then the, uh, what is it? The F3 Derby, Newcastle against Central Coast, where they play for the bit of concrete, I think it is. Um, the Western Sydney v Sydney FC Derby, East versus West is always a good game. It's probably um, potentially even bigger than the Melbourne one nowadays. Um, I think, especially right now, both teams are kind of, well, Western Sydney got a win on the weekend, but Sydney are up and about. They've been quite quite good with their crowds. Um, it should It should be a sellout, you'd assume. So I'm excited to watch that one. That's definitely the pick of the round. And then on Sunday, we travel away. Our Reds, we go to Wellington um, for the long, long trip. And Brisbane Raw have Melbourne victory at home. So it's a pretty interesting round. Both our teams need three points desperately. um, And everyone else can draw, to be honest. Better for us. Nobody gets maximum points. We get closer to the six. um, And that's, uh, that's what we need. Yeah. No, it's going to be a massive week, to be honest. I think the Sydney Derby, they, they always deliver. So hopefully we don't uh, eat our words and come on here next week with another little draw because it seems like <laughs> every game that we talk up ends up being the snore fest of the round. So uh, we'll see. We'll see next week. But, um, but that's it for today's episode, guys. So thank you very much for tuning in once again. We'll see you next week with another episode. Thanks, guys. Oh, Fred. Fuck you lot, where's the beer?